Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Matt McLaren, of course, is host of the Matt McLaren Show out of W Jocks in Birmingham. And Matt, we really appreciate you joining us once again, man. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good, guys. Ready to talk about this game, that's for sure, because I think it's going to be a good one on Saturday. Well, we certainly hope so, and we know that uh, Arkansas had a pretty uh, devastating loss this past weekend to A&M, or at least one that was pretty upsetting. But Tech, uh, but Alabama, so far, of course, is undefeated. Had that little bit of a scare on the road against Texas. But just from what you've seen so far, what do you make of this Alabama team, and are they about what you expected them to be before the season started? They are now, and I think that this might be a scary thing for Arkansas fans, and, and I know it's Vanderbilt, and we can all chuckle and laugh while it's Vanderbilt. They played their most complete game against Vanderbilt on Saturday at home. They, they finally were able to distribute the ball a little bit better through the air. Ja'Cory Brooks, I mean, there was one drive where it was four for four to Ja'Cory Brooks right down the field. They completely shut down Vanderbilt's offense and Ray Davis. They just had nothing going against Alabama on either side of the football. The offensive line for Alabama finally started to look like it's figuring things out a little bit. And you look at it, and, and we all know this. I mean, maybe not for Arkansas. You guys have had quite the schedule early on in the season. Alabama had a couple of flops. The Utah State game, it's like, oh, what are you going to take from that? Louisiana Monroe, okay, great. So really, you look at Texas and that was such a hostile environment at a weird kickoff for Alabama at 11 a.m., 15 penalties. That'll never happen again with Saban. And then you look at Vanderbilt, and, and they're an SEC team. And so I think the improvement that we have seen with the offensive line, especially from even going back to the Texas game to what we saw on Saturday night against Vanderbilt, that's probably the area I think where you circle it and you say, okay, if they're going to play like this, this is what this team could be, and that's kind of what we all thought that they would be back even at SEC media days when it was Alabama and Georgia for the SEC title. With the penalties, um, you mentioned that you know that was kind of out of the norm with the Texas game altogether. But have the for being so many in one game, but have the penalties as a whole been up this year, or was that just a game that just stuck out like a sore thumb just this year and and in recent in previous years? overall yeah no that was obviously an anomaly i mean that, that's i mean everybody's well aware of the most in the statement era they are a team that when you look at it generally speaking they're going to commit penalties but you're usually in that four to six range and if you look at this season they have six penalties each of their other three games and 15 in the texas game you go back to last year and the games they struggled at you look at the games, especially the road games, and this is where it may be interesting in, in Fayetteville on Saturday. You look at the Florida game, you look at the Auburn game, you look at the A&M game that they lost, and that's where the penalties were higher. In a couple of those games, the Florida and the Auburn game, I want to say it was 11 penalties in each of those. And so the road environment, I think, is where I'm more curious to see how does Alabama perform on a true road test because, again, you go back to last year, they struggled in true road games outside of the Mississippi State game. We have one example of it this year. They needed a miracle drive at the end of the game to knock off a mediocre Texas team and committed 15 penalties. What will await them at Razorback Stadium on Saturday is not going to be a friendly environment, and I'll be curious to see how they come out early in that game against a crowd like that. I guess the question that people have is that Alabama under Nick Saban going on the road, obviously that's always more difficult than at home. 
but they performed really well, or at least pretty consistently. But you see the stats get thrown around 0-4 the last five true road games for Bama. It's been decided by three points or less. Why has it been that way for this particular team, not only from last year but also this year, going on the road? What is it about them that makes it where they play so much differently than what they have at home? I think what it is, I mean, and this is kind of a two-part answer, I suppose, but last year, and Saban even said this, and we all made fun of him in the offseason, it was a rebuilding year, remember? I actually think there was some truth to that. That was a young, inexperienced squad. The Florida game, they got a taste of it obviously on the road at A&M, and I think they were kind of learning as they went through the year. This year against Texas, and, and you know, we were talking about this earlier, John, I, I, if there's going to be a record crowd at Razorback Stadium, I think it's difficult because there's no other team in the country, maybe Georgia, where you, week in and week out, no matter where you're walking into, they can win their season by beating you. I mean, you can look at A&M's a great example of that last year. They went 8-4. and four, They went 2-4 and four in their own division. Who cares? We beat Bama. And so, so many teams week in and week out are looking at it like that. And I think it's difficult for a young team that's learning to recognize that every week you're going into an environment like that. You're going into a crowd that feels that way. You are the team every week that if the opposing team beats you, their fans are going to storm the field. That's how much it matters to them. Alabama... They're just kind of like, oh, ho hum. We'll see you in the national championship game. That's the expectation, and I think having to deal with that and, and learning how to get up for that week in and week out, especially on the road, is something that takes a while for teams to learn. And obviously, Alabama with this group is still trying to figure that out. Alabama has always had uh, really good receivers, and they usually stand out. That is something that you're always thinking about facing Bama with the best receivers. And there are some young receivers on this team. They got some experience last year, but are you starting to see these guys play a little better the more experience that they get every week? Yeah, I think so. And, and, and I'll go back to the Vanderbilt game. And I, again, it's difficult with teams like this. And there's a few of them in the conference. Ole Miss is a team like that this year as well, where you look at, okay, well, who'd you play? But all you can play is what you have on your schedule. And I think you finally saw an effort and they had tried a little bit of this the first three games of the season, but they really hadn't tried to stress the field. They tried Jermaine Burton, the transfer who came over from Georgia. They looked for him deep a couple of times earlier in the first three games. They just missed him. He had a couple of those against Vanderbilt on Saturday. Ja'Cory Brooks had some. They've got a really deep receiving group. When you look at Burton, as I mentioned, Tyler Harrell, who transferred from Louisville, hadn't even seen the field yet. He's dealing with an injury. JoJo Earl, who they were super high on, he hadn't played yet this year. He's dealing with a broken bone in his foot. So you got Kobe Prentice and you got Trayshawn Holden and Ja'Cory Brooks, and they're getting a lot of these kids who didn't have any experience that opportunity. They're just as, for whatever reason, felt like a disconnect between Bryce Young and this group of wide receivers. And that's something that, as you guys know, when you have transfers that come in and you lose a big-time wide receiver like Arkansas did last year, it can take some time to get up to speed with the new guys and get them into sync with the quarterback we finally saw that on Saturday night against Vanderbilt. Now the key will be, can you replicate that against a higher quality opponent than what Vanderbilt was? But there's no reason to believe they won't because the talent is there and Bryce Young's the best quarterback in the country. Do you see one of these guys or a couple of them starting to emerge as that go-to receiver that Bryce Young is looking for more often? It, it seemed like it on Saturday against Vanderbilt. As I mentioned, Ja'Cory Brooks, they made an effort to get the ball to him early. 
there was one drive. I can't remember if it's their second or their first or second drive of the game. They threw four straight passes, all four to Brooks, and scored in four plays. And Ja'Cory Brooks was the guy. If you go back to the offseason, when John Mechie and Jamison Williams, the Bama receivers from last year, were asked, who's the next you? And they were asked individually. They both said Ja'Cory Brooks. And I think Ja'Cory Brooks has a little bit of that of what they're looking for. He emerged on Saturday night. I really think they still want to find ways to get Jermaine Burton involved. But the reality of it is, the speed guy, the Jamison Williams from last year, so to speak, was supposed to be Tyler Harrell. He's the guy that can burn the transfer from Louisville, and he's injured. There's a chance he may play on Saturday against Arkansas. Of course, they're tight-lipped. Nobody seems to know for sure. He warmed up for the game against Vanderbilt and didn't give it a go. So it leads you to believe that maybe that's the stretch-the-field type guy and that Burton and Ja'Cory Brooks can kind of take over that Mechie role of more of that 10- to 12- to 14-yard possession type guy. Speaking with Matt McLaren of W Jocks here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline, talk a little Alabama football with him. Uh, so that we know how good Alabama is. You, you broke it down. You talk about how good they are going right now. But I guess the question that some Razorback fans, or if not all Razorback fans, are having, how do they beat this team? Like, what would you say are some of the biggest weaknesses of this team that maybe the Razorbacks can exploit if they want to win this one? I, I think it's in the trenches. I mean, obviously, John, you know we talked about it on my show earlier today. Arkansas has got a really good defensive front. They've got some guys that can make some plays for them up front. And if you can get Bryce Young under pressure, we saw it last year. How did A&M beat Alabama? They pressured Bryce Young. They sacked him a few times. They got multiple pressures at other points. If you can make him uncomfortable and you can make him have to move around, then that can keep you and give you an opportunity for him. He's, he's had a couple bad passes this year. He had an interception the, the other week where we're all just looking at each other going, how, how did he throw that ball? And the fact that they're still, I don't know that they're 100% in sync with his receivers. If they can get some pressure, it's an Alabama offensive line that's a work in progress. Again, it's better now than it was if you'd caught them in week two like Texas did. But I think that's the key. Find creative ways, do some stunts, do some things where you're twisting and confusing the Alabama offensive line. And if you can get some consistent pressure on Bryce Young, he may make a mistake that will frustrate them, and that will give, at least defensively, the opportunity for Arkansas maybe to get some things going with K.J. in that run game to where maybe they can keep it close. And we all know this. We saw it last year. If it's a game in the fourth quarter, Arkansas is very, very capable of coming out and winning this night. How much of an effect is Will Anderson on games? We know that – He's been talked about as one of the best players in, in the country, if not the best, but how, how, how big of a factor is he on that defense? It's huge. I, I don't know that you can weigh it. It's, we're talking about a guy who's going to be the first defensive player off the board in the NFL draft coming up next year. And you look at this, and it, you can go back to the Texas game, and, and we'll just call Texas the best team they've played, which I don't know if we're going out on a limb or what that means, but – you can go back and watch. They were constantly double-teaming, whether it was leaving Bijan Robinson or Keelan Robinson in from Texas to make sure to get a chip to help out double-teaming. There were times he was triple-teamed. Well, what does that do? Well, if you're going to do that, and then Bama decides to bring somebody else like a Dallas Turner or a Henry Toto or Chris Broswell up the middle, then you've got to decide, do we trust our tackle to be able to handle Will Anderson one-on-one. Because if we're going to give him help, then we know Bama has capable defenders that can come from the other side that can create pressure. 
he wrecks your, your offensive game plan. He, he's going to get a sack at some point. If not, he's going to get really, really close. And I think you almost just have to accept that, but figure out ways to make sure that he doesn't wreck your game in a sense. What can you do? Make sure we know where Will Anderson, number 31, is at all times on the field, but we can't just overload that side like Texas did at times. And, and you saw some of the pressure that came from other places because everybody is so focused on making sure Will Anderson doesn't beat you. And chances are he'll beat you once or twice anyway. Well, speaking of Will Anderson, he made a comment today that's gotten a lot of people talking where he says, quote, the audacity for the other team to even step on the field is disrespectful to me. The audacity to to the fans to even show up for the team and come and step on the field with me and play with us is disrespectful. So it's like he made a quote like this. And of course, Razorback fans are like, "Okay, all right. So this this guy, what'd you make of that quote that he had? I actually talked about that day. I was just laughing. I thought, you know, it's weird to me. So what do you expect the other team to do? Like, oh, oh my God, it's it's Alabama. You know what, guys? We were going to take the field, but sorry to our fans and everything. We're just not going to be able to get out here. So, I mean, that's – guys, we know this. They try to motivate themselves however they can, and I guess if that's how he wants to attack it, I thought it was a little extreme. The other quote he had about he wants to force opposing fans to leave the stadium at halftime or by the end of the third quarter, that made sense. I got what he was saying with that one, but – to tell the audacity that you would come and step on the field against us and show up to support your team. I just thought was, what do you want them to do? Will? you don't want them to go root for their team. I, I thought that was a little extreme, but I guess he's that, t- he must be just the most intense guy and, and find when you're that good, maybe you just need to find different ways to motivate yourself. What do you see in Drew Sanders, a guy that is familiar with Alabama that played there that now plays at Arkansas? Man, I knew when I talked to you guys before the season, we talked about Drew Sanders, and I told you all, I was like, man, how in the world you ended up with him? Who knows? But count your blessings because Drew Sanders is a beast. I'm still surprised. I get it. He wanted to, to play a different linebacking position than how Alabama was using him. He's a five-star for a reason. I mean, he is a bona fide, true-level, elite five-star linebacker who I'm not surprised at all with Arkansas. I think sometimes we forget how good these kids at Alabama can be because you're surrounded by a Will Anderson or whoever it happens to be defensively at variety of positions, Drew Sanders can be a star. He's going to be a very good, not just college player. I think he'll be a very good NFL player. And now he's getting an opportunity to show when he's the guy, what he can be. And it makes him that special. And you guys are reaping the benefits, man. Cause that dude is a beast. Yeah. He, he's been playing really well too. And I even heard about uh, Nick Saban talk about him and, uh, you know, the way that uh, he's rooting for him and everything like that, too. And it, and it's just a fascinating thing because at Alabama, especially, there's such a surplus of talent that there's going to be a lot of cases where these guys leave Alabama because either they weren't playing enough or they should have felt like they weren't playing in the right position, whatever it may be. And they end on end up going on and doing great things. How do people view a player that leaves Alabama, like a Drew Sanders? Like, how do the fans at Alabama see Drew Sanders, are they kind of bitter that he left, or are they kind of like, oh, we got so much talent here, it's fine, go and do your thing in Arkansas? It's more like, oh, wow, you weren't good enough to make it here, huh? Which I think is funny because, again, Drew Sanders is a guy that anybody that had watched him would be like, no, you don't. Saban didn't want him to leave. But, yeah, I think Alabama fans are more so of the mindset, we're this good, and if you don't want to be a part of it, don't let the door hit you on your way out because obviously you're not good enough to cut it here. And it's very rare. There's not a lot of kids that have left Alabama that have gone on to have – I mean, Drew Sanders was one I thought was obvious. 
but you don't see a lot of those guys that leave Alabama and end up just being stellar at other places. So I think that plays into it a lot. So on the rare occasions when that does happen, like a Drew Sanders, I think Bama fans more so are like, well, you wouldn't be that good here. Like that type of mindset, when the reality of it is he was that good here, and now he's probably even better at Arkansas. <laughs> Yeah, it's certainly working out for him. Hey, Matt, uh, I know that uh, something that caught my eye, too, is when you uh, tweeted out that you're going to come on the show, you said, uh, in Little Rock, one of your favorite towns. So a lot of people may not know about yeah. your experiences and why Little Rock is your favorite town. Yeah, I mean, Little Rock, so for those that are listening that don't know, my fiance is from the Little Rock area. And as a matter of fact, we, we got engaged a few months ago, and we had our engagement party about a month ago in Little Rock. Her aunts and uncles live there, and she is from Conway, which is all of you guys know exactly where Conway is. So I've spent, man, I, I probably spend four or five weekends a year in the Little Rock area. We, we do a family trip every year on the Buffalo River where we'll canoe up and down the Buffalo River for a, a few days. And I love Arkansas. I mean, that, that's a really cool town, very familiar with Little Rock and Lost 40 and Flyway and the good breweries that are there and, and the Root, you know, one of my favorite burgers ever on earth at the Root, the Pimento Cheeseburger. But I'm a big fan of Little Rock and I've spent a lot of time there. Yeah, it's a great city, no doubt. And I don't know if you heard, we're getting a Top Golf too. So we're, we're coming up in the world over here. Nice. Well, there you go. Birmingham has a Top Golf. It's great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be awesome, man. Well, well, Matt, man, we appreciate you coming on with us as always, man. Great stuff and great insight dealing with Alabama. Should be a great one this weekend in Fayetteville. Enjoy the rest of the football season, my man, and I'm sure we'll be catching up with you later down the road. All right. Sounds good, guys. Y'all do the same. We'll talk soon.